following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. When you're wearing the right outfit, it feels good. Like hitting all green lights good. Finding an onion ring in your french fries good. Getting dressed can feel just like that when you have a trunk club stylist. Because not only do we send you lots of outfits and accessories, we also teach you how to style them. And since we're a Nordstrom company, you know you'll be well taken care of. Look and feel great every single day with Trunk Club. Meet your personal stylist at trunkclub.com. That's T-R-U-N-K-C-L-U-B.com. My name is Matt Perez. My name is Satchel Drakes. And this is Overworld, where we try to be curious, fail at being smart, and talk about video games at the intersection of art, society, and other stuff. But first, a quick break. Taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veridesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. Hey, Satchel. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Pretty good, I guess. You? Not too bad. Happy belated Easter. Oh, yes. You too. You too. You want to, uh, 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 after that, have like a very dour talk? And and talk about unpleasant things. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's let's go straight into it. Cool. Let's just it's Monday, so <laughs> yeah, Monday snowing. Let's get uh let's get down. So uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, over the weekend something happened with a CS:GO caster, a very popular one. His name's Matt Trevet. Nicknamed Sadakist. you know, it's, does huge events with uh, ESL One and Turner's E League, which is a always been used as a big example of esports going mainstream because it involves TBS. Um, so over the weekend, he uh, kind of I like, remember reading about this. Yeah. yeah go on. Yeah. He, uh, he dove like head first into like boiling hot water. Uh, <laughs> what yeah. <are> you... <laughs> so for his birthday, he, uh, he uh, wanted to stream some PUBG uh, yeah. and had a few as drinks. As many do. Yes, as many do. As many do. <laughs> Has a few drinks and starts... Saying crazy things. Uh, he um, very, like, no accident here, like, said the N-word and then also vividly described uh, how someone else in the community should kill themselves. I saw a clip for that part. That was because the person that he was talking to tweeted out a video clip of it. Yes. And it was very detailed and very graphic. Something about jumping off of a cliff with a noose still attached to it and it was... Yeah, very Not family much, friendly. It was yeah, a lot. Very yeah. detailed, like way too specific. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that was something that happened over the weekend. Uh, you know, uh, n- news stories were written about it. He got banned from Twitch. Um, he just it was weird. He sent out a few tweets early in the morning the day after and they seemed not very apologetic. But he has since put out an apology on Facebook um, oh, wow. This I did not know. I also didn't know that there was, like, instant uh, punishment. That's great. At least from Twitch. He, uh, you yeah. know, with his other that employers, not sure yet. I guess it's too early, but it's a, a wait-and-see kind of thing. But, no, it's it's just something that when it happens, it was like, oh, yeah, shock and awe. Like, it, it happens actually pretty often that these things occur. Um as, both in esports and um, you know YouTube content creators and streamers usually revolves around streaming platforms because they are 
so wide open and and you know the whole conceit is that you know you're just sitting there hanging out with this person and they kind of can just talk to you um yeah and like it, it, i mean it's been happening recently especially in 2018 um uh earlier in the year i mean this year is the f- it's a media cycle right now for sure yeah like, like this has definitely been popping up a mm-hmm. bit like two weeks ago um the most popular streamer right now uh tyler blevins ninja uh, accidentally said the N word, and that was you know how to do an apology for that. Um, and then the Overwatch. Oh, this is the guy that streamed with Drake, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a video for that too. Yeah. He was like trying to rap along with uh, a Logic song, and then ad lib that in. So there's that. Right. It didn't actually exist. Yeah. No, it didn't. Uh, and then with the Overwatch League, that's the new, brand new, shiny league from Blizzard. Um, that was you know it's put it was put together very quickly. And it feels like a lot of these players and organizations are... I feel raw about that. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, very... They're just new, I guess, to this, maybe, where it's like, hey, maybe you need to be a little bit professional. So there's been a lot of uh, incidents here and there of uh, players getting banned or suspended because of things they said or did on Twitch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just... Every time this happens, there's this comments below, like, uh, you know, the, the news stories, like... Oh well, I'm not really that shocked. Like you can kind of fill in the blanks now, and you can kind of see yeah. like how it'll play out. You know, another big one was like PewDiePie too. That was I think it was like last year playing yeah. PUBG. That's gonna be the new. Instead of saying oh I was drinking too much, it's gonna be I was playing PUBG and it just happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, like it's definitely it, it's weird. It's definitely a classic case of like at least in the professional context of kids having to learn. Hey, this isn't like your friend's lands par- land party, you know. Yeah. Like you're not you're not in your friend's mom's like backyard guest home for visitors like yelling into the abyss with your buddies. Like we're we're in a professional context. There are sponsors, there are optics, and you can't be problematic in front of the microphone, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing because it does factor in so many aspects. And it, and and Part of that is also like, oh, well, they're young people. They're young guys. But like, ah, man. Well, so there's two things with this that I'm hoping to get into. And the one is that um, with esports, so much of it is based on personality. With streaming, so much of it is based on personality of like that's how you, I guess, become successful is like you need to have some type of personality and like be open. I guess that's like what those platforms – provide but but the other end is the um well sometimes right i mean within the context of esports there's some more malleability like i think about the top ranked hearthstone players name's not coming to mind right now but there are a lot of introverted guys right that just kind of that just kind of play and people respect that because they're there Mm -hmm. for the for the the elite strats right yeah but it's a thing of like so with if you watch the nhl draft and it's all these 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, straight out of either junior hockey or college. And like so like Nolan Patrick, who was drafted by the Flyers, number two overall, you put a mic in front of his face, immediately he's like the most boring person because he's gotten like <laughs> so much training of like this is how you speak to the media. This is things right. you sit like – and you can kind of predict whenever you see like an, an after – after a game, when they're in the locker room, ask them questions. Man, they're they're experts at giving non answers, and like, 
It's just because they've been so well trained, like how to deal with the media. And it is like, you know, these guys, like someone like Claude Giroux for the Flyers, he's like such a colorful personality. He's such, like, anytime you see him, like, kind of let loose or you see him on the ice and it's just him being himself, like, it's like so engaging. You know, he's like a total character, but when you put a mic in front of his face, she shuts down. (laughs) And, uh,. This is like interviewing any and all basketball players after Fergie's national anthem <laughs> or Star Spangled Banner. They're like, like, you know, she tried, you know, whatever. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, you know, uh, she sang and we were just really focused on, you know, our country. And it's just every every excuse you could ever think of. It was all there. But yeah. on camera, you saw all of them looking and laughing at each other. Exactly. I, I love that. But it's important. It's definitely important to have that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that goes to the other thing is that um, I, I think so – like like you said, a lot of people are being watched on Twitch uh, and are popular because they're very good at the games. But I think the top people – it's because like – I guess like I said before, the like, conceit of these streams is that like people are being quote-unquote real and they like – Move Very from true. being people who just make content that you like to, like, I guess the fans see them as, like, a friend to hang out with. Oh, 100%. I, I, I follow some of those guys, and I there there were some guys I, I actually watched pretty intently a few years ago. I haven't really, like, been, like, a super involved Twitch subscriber in a while just because I have less time. But um, when I did, the way I, I kind of almost described it in my mind is, like... They're almost like babysitters in a kind of way. And I don't mean that negatively. No, like yeah. I don't mean that in a condescending way. But there are just all of these kids like ranging between like 13 and 24 who have the time to watch like five hours of someone playing GTA 5. And like people go all out in like having – I mean it requires this personality where you're thanking people for subscriptions mm-hmm. and – you're you're creating a fun kind of funny atmosphere people bringing in reverb pedals and echo pedals and um setting up like the layout of their screen for different things the different animations pop up when people did different things putting out emoticons there's definitely a personality driven atmosphere around twitch and twitch the, the twitch audience rewards it yeah and it, i mean it's the thing like if you sit down and watch i've been watching a lot more like fortnite folks because that's like what's popular now and like yeah you watch um like a few hours of like ninja or uh, myth and you you see these met like when you donate you can pair it with a message and it's like people asking like they're obviously in high school and they're like oh man my girlfriend just cheated on me what should i do man and they're like asking them for advice yeah and and, like they'll answer it and like it'll be this very like I mean, they're just playing the gaming, just kind of hanging out and talking, and that's it. Like, they're they're kind of just, yeah, like you said, like, they're just hanging out with these people. It'll be like, oh, I'm getting bullied in school. What should I do? Or it's like, oh, I watch your stream because, like, you know, it, it makes me feel good because I'm getting bullied in school or something like that. It has that sort yeah. of connection, and, and I guess that's why when these things happen where, um, say, when PewDiePie – very explicitly says the n-word you have all these people coming out like no he's fine he there's nothing wrong he's right yeah that's true <laughs> it has that double-edged sword yeah like yeah i can totally see like the the why people love it and I, I it's also why like i think you know 
if if someone like PewDiePie suggested to his fans like, "Oh, I enjoy this game," they're more they're gonna trust them more than like right. anybody else. Like, not they're gonna and, trust them more and, than like a like a media company, I would think, because they have that connection and they see it as like their friends suggesting them play this game. You know. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Overworld podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. And there's Veridesk. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veridesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veradesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veradesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I desk.com slash Forbes. This like asymmetrical relationship and hyperhumanization, it makes it it serves as this sort of unfortunate force multiplier for influence where you see someone like PewDiePie say something like that. And you start giving yourself permission to let that slide, to do it yourself. It becomes this sort of non-issue. You like you don't thing. call someone out for it because yeah, you like, don't call oh, someone out for it because yeah. someone who's seemingly your mentor but not really has done it. It's just it's a classic case of being uh, a bad role model, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always weird when that happens because then the conversations come up of straddling the line between well how much are you just a guy at his computer like broadcasting stuff and whoever shows up shows up and then how much are you leaning into being a figure or a, like an icon of some sorts to people and how willing are you to adopt all the responsibilities and like uh i guess preconceived notions that come with that you know yeah, well, that, I totally see that as a thing of, like, it really wasn't being paid attention to. Like, you know, you just blow up in popularity, and it's like, well, I'm just going to keep on keeping on how I do. But, like, yeah, it's totally, like, m- need to recognize that you've gone from, I guess, like, a private person that's just playing an online game to now you're a public figure. And now yeah. there's responsibilities that come with that. Yeah. There's a, there's another aspect to in, this. In the case with PewDiePie, I think it's way more black and white. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, like well, once when you're on Stephen Colbert, like you cannot play dumb, right? Oh yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you're you're number one on a platform owned by Google. You know? Yeah. 
That if there's a Wall Street Journal article talking about how wealthy you are, like <laughs> you are not, you're you're not Joe the plumber per se. There's definitely yeah. There's that aspect of like, no, this is the world you live in now. You know, yeah. Which was that's yeah. why there's an article right before everything happened with uh, Ninja. He he actually said that he was like, well, people need to recognize streamers need to recognize that you have a responsibility. It's like, yep, there's a power there. Um, but yeah, like another aspect of this <laughs> yeah. that gets uh, definitely, I guess, overlooked by everyone, aside from like the whole, like, maybe you shouldn't do this because it's terrible. Like, you just don't want to be a terrible human being and, and say these things on a, on a streaming platform. Um, there's yeah. also, as, at least for esports, maybe you could talk more to, to uh, uh, YouTube. But um, sure. yeah. in esports... Man, it's still a super young industry, and no one is making a profit, and so much of it. I would say, I think it's last time I checked, like it's around seventy percent of revenue coming in is from sponsorships and ads and stuff like and brands. Um, so with that, like with that in mind, you also have to understand that like sponsors don't. You know, especially non-endemics, which is like what you really want to bring in to, to the industry. Um, it's not like a well-known thing of how to gauge how well uh, your brand or sponsor is doing. There's not really metrics for that. And like esports is so new that like you would have to like, you know, these people that own teams and stuff have to educate brands and sponsors of like what the space is like like hey you're probably yeah. not good. we're not making money right now like robert Kraft spends 20 million just to get into overwatch league because maybe it'll work out but it's not really a thing of like he's not doing it to make money right now there is a ton of money there's millions of dollars coming in but um right now it's just like get an early sort of mode but also with with brands uh there's not really a uh, like a hard-coded return on investment or like metric you can look to to see to make to help you make decisions of like who to sp- uh, partner with who to sponsor and whatnot what is being yeah. used right now predominantly is social metrics and looking at the personality of the players because that's yeah. really like a driving force within esports you know players jump between teams a whole lot it's it, i think fans really connect with the players and um, uh, when they have a bit more personality, when they're a bit more visible, you know, performance is important. But also, as long as they're colorful and fun, that will attract fans. And in, in attracting fans, you're attracting sponsors for your team and whatnot. Yeah. So, what I, like you know what what conversations I've had with in, insiders is like okay. How do you control this, like, you want your players to be personable and have a personality and be fun, but also knowing that you have these platforms like Twitch where, you know, they're kind of, it's free reign. And we've had a lot of incidents where a lot of toxicity comes out. Like, that's a huge question right now. And, like, how do you maintain that balance? And it's, it's an important one, too, because esports is so young like I said, that yeah, like all these like all these um uh these these controversies are gonna start adding up, and it's it starts to create this like stigma for the entire like gaming already has a stigma, but then when it becomes like 
you're trying to start a new industry within gaming it, it really adds up i think and that's definitely <laughs> something that like gets overlooked so much when it comes to these things yeah the, the place that i land with all of what you very beautifully said is uh i, I it's really simple i don't I don't find it difficult to maintain the kind of realness and character and personality that audiences at Twitch and wherever the equivalents are uh, reward um, while also not doing the things that these news outlets are reporting on people doing. Um, The line just doesn't seem – it doesn't seem like a nuanced conversation. Like it seems – Fairly clear, and I think that the solution of it is—I think the solution of it is twofold, and it all sort of lands within the hands of um, companies like Blizzard and companies like Twitch. Where, uh, first and foremost, these millions of dollars that they're sort of throwing into this, setting aside a couple thousand for an, uh, a standardized onboarding process, um, just for media, like basic media training, um, can protect their butts probably just like a business smart thing to do ultimately when you're working with sponsors um, can safeguard everybody and also preserve like a safe and kind of healthy environment for anybody. And I think secondly is a verified Twitch streamer ranked player of League of Legends. He shared with me that there was an instance in which Blizzard was streaming their event and using Twitch as their, their platform, and in it there was a player who was sort of doing his thing. It was a player, and the person that that player was happened to be a person of color. And the moment they got on screen and started doing what they're paid to do, um, there were people in the chat like sort of haggling and throwing up weird emoticons and saying a lot of racially charged stuff. And essentially, what happened is after the event was over. Uh, Blizzard went to Twitch and said, you need to get your stuff together and make sure this never, ever happens again or we're not using you. We're going somewhere else. This isn't really like a spiritual ask as much as it's uh, just a, a smart business ask. Those kinds of things, like nipping it right in the bud, I feel go an incredibly long way. Um, so we have these situations where we sort of have like manufactured wrongdoing and then a manufactured scheduled apology and then a manufactured scheduled return to said wrongdoings because it's generating really good analytics with no like lash back, you know, with no repercussions. Now we're seeing situations with like Logan Paul where he's getting a slap slap on the wrist and it's like no partial revenue for you for a week, you know, and it's like, well, I don't know. Like, some of these people are millionaires, so it's not yeah. really doing much. But, like, if they're losing, like, brand deals, then that, that can be a big hit, you know? Um, and for the longest time, nobody's really bothered. Um, I think probably probably the biggest repercussion was when, was it Maker dropped PewDiePie, I want to say? Yeah, and that's um, Disney, I think. Yeah, that was Disney. Yeah. That was really the first time that, I saw, I think that most of us saw like, okay, like there is some semblance of accountability. There's some semblance of standards since Disney did that, or since YouTube did that, we haven't lost all of the good content out there. All of the amazing personalities that have yet to present something amazing from their bedroom to the rest of the world. They're not sort of snuffed out of that. Um, but, um, 
it's cool that we are kind of now on our way out of the Wild West and into a space where, um, you know, got to be a little nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, we don't want that many, like, regulations or whatever. Um, but, like, that comes with, you know, hopefully helping good voices to, to emerge and then, you know, cleaning up what really needs to be cleaned up and is very obviously needs to be cleaned up because it's really, really, really not hard to uh, uh, not throw racial slurs around, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. But, and, and like, uh, to your point... And you can also, still do it. You just have to deal with the fact that, like, you're not going to get that brand deal you want. Yeah. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's not even really a restriction. You're free. You just have to you just have to know the consequences that come with it. Like you can upload a video of a dead person and laugh at it and keep your YouTube account. Like that's where we are right now. Yeah. Well, it you seems know? like um, with Twitch, they're a little. I mean, with Twitch, it's, it's the thing. Like, there's so many people, so it's like they need to figure out how to deal with it um, as uh, better. But like, they definitely seem more strict than uh, YouTube. At the very oh, yeah, because they pulled his account right away. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not crazy. It's like psycho. Like, it's good, you know, but it's – yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, and another thing you brought up was – I mean, there's a lot of, like, people – I guess you perceive it as being, like, there's a creator and there's YouTube and that's it. But, like, there's actually a lot more third parties involved there, including brands. There's ads yeah. that go through – YouTube or Google, um, and then there's you know the people who make the games, like you said, Campo Santo, right. demonetized, and, and M- MCNs as well. So like on YouTube, like for most people who want to make a living off of YouTube, they have to sign with a YouTube affiliated network, mm-hmm. and that network is responsible for directing money to them, getting them the brand deals, um, linking them up with other people, telling them how to optimize their sort of uh, user base and. And they get an agent, and their agent gives them stuff, and they check in with them. A lot of these guys, nobody knows who they are. Only YouTubers know, like, what these who these networks are, except for Disney. Disney's the only one that everyone knows mm. because it's Disney, you know, like Maker. And a lot of people know Maker. For a lot of these other guys, they don't necessarily have um, reputations to protect, but over time they will. And it probably will be important to sort of have reminders of – you know, in the same way, you have to respect um, copyright infringement so that they have less drama to deal with. Because um, part of their job is also to protect the user from, you know, um, copyright claims, any kind of like red flags from YouTube for using stuff that's not theirs. In that same way, it might be helpful to be like, hey, also don't say the N word. <laughs> yeah. By the way, <laughs> uh, here's this obvious t- tip for you. Um, no. There, I, I guess. How do you feel with? You mentioned Twitch. Do they ha- like with Twitch? I want. Do they have any type of like when you become a Twitch partner? Like what? I wonder what the process for that is. Is, is do you do you know anything about that? Um, like, is there a type of like, oh well, don't do this and stuff, or is it just like, oh, you've become big enough, you can become uh, there, a Twitch there partner? There aren't any additional rules because. The initial rules that you sign up for when you make your account, like the the EULA that nobody reads, 
<laughs> that thing that they just auto, they just scroll to the bottom and never look at it, and they click agree, and then they make their account and they start streaming. That is the thing that tells you, hey, don't be terrible, um, mm-hmm. or like don't be overly provocative or whatever. You know? Yeah. I wonder when, um, like, obviously, Twitch is going to expand a little bit, or I guess streaming in general is expanding beyond just games. Like, there's going to be sports streaming. And I wonder when that comes. Really? Yeah, like if, when that comes, like, or I think it, it it already has, but like when it becomes a bigger thing. Wait, isn't that just NBA TV and MLB TV? Like, what do you mean? I think like um, the NFL. We should che- we should fact check this, but the NFL I believe stream uh, streams uh, on Twitter. Uh, and they oh like that yeah 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 yeah. and it's like okay well I wonder if uh, when that comes because really like it's when these like huge streamers uh, uh, step out of line that's when it's talked about a little bit but I I I would assume like a lot of stuff is like we just don't see it and uh, I wonder like if that brings any type of changes because it does seem like Amazon is very like still like let's let's develop this and not just sit on our laurels a little bit but um the other one other thing i did want to bring up was it is like it is it's not something you you can't not change that was the weirdest sentence in the world you (laughs) i think i think a lot of people are very dismissive of like well you can't just change uh uh uh, this it's just how it is um, but that seems kind of ridiculous. Um, but it is a thing of like in, in regards to what? What do they feel you can't toxicity? Change? I guess in games and toxicity in esports. I would rather not lean into the sort of outrage porn side of somebody saying the n word. And my focus now um, is more. And I, I feel like where we actually are going to see, uh, I, if anything incremental change over time mm-hmm. is leaning more into like how we can police it essentially yeah. how we can sort of manage it because we're we're always going to run into people who especially if we're dealing with like 18 to 24 like we're going to run into people that are shock jocks right or that are known for shock jocks and we're also going to run into people who make a living off of drama channels and talking about those kinds of things and Mm. egg that on and facilitate an environment to get excited about that. Um, That's always going to be a part of us. That's always going to be a part of it. And I think the best way to address that um, is to leave the sort of heart to heart conversations on like malignment to friends and family members and people in that in that person's immediate community who can speak to them in a way and hold them accountable in a way that's like real and honest and lasting and from a more corporate standpoint from people across the pond from people with power like people with power whether that power is running a company working at blizzard or just the power to vote and tweet at blizzard i think for that it's really just asking for stricter accountability um Hmm. so that the front of the store reflects what we hope the inside of the store would have. Does that yeah. make any sense? No, it does because I there is power in like who you put into a position. Basically, I guess like yeah. was how I was looking at it. It's like you like there are like esports personalities where you're like, oh man, like 
they've crossed the line a lot, but they're very much a visible member, and it's it's it, it becomes a thing of like, will there ever be like, I don't know, uh, a change or like a reckoning in that in that regard or. Like, I do think there is power in, like, who you put in a position and that reflects or maybe will help, like you said, like, very slowly but step by step, like, help change for the better, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would vastly prefer a group of problematic players take their sweet time in working through arriving at why they might be doing – why what they might be doing is wrong – than them showing up day one and saying, okay, we don't do this here. Mm. Like, less people are hurt that way. Like, of course I want, like, hearts to change and stuff, but that's, like, I'm not going to be able to do that for underscore XX uh, Pwn Slayer underscore XX guy, you know? Like, I can't do that. (laughs) That's true. Man, Pwn Slayer, shout out. Uh (laughs) A.K.A. Chad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that to say, I think what sort of addresses moving forward all of what we've sort of discussed just now is that it's 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 going to be really important that companies get training and accountability right. Yeah. Um. And and that it, it, it's really not. I mean, you know, it, I think I think advocacy is important, and that's a great component of it as well. And it's certainly a big part of, like, what, you know, a lot of the news media sites who cover this tap into. Um, But I think that the number one fastest way to create a better environment is to let people know that this is just unacceptable. This just isn't how normative culture looks at these words and this attitude. And, um, you know, people are going to have to get more professional. Um, because in a lot of ways, with issues like these, esports is leagues behind, um, you know, major league sports and a bunch of a bunch of other kind of public, competitive, broadcast oriented uh, activities. Yeah, it's also uh, so, uh, yeah something that popped in my mind um, is it's not like this isn't done correctly in other uh, other areas. Uh, Oftentimes, what's compared to esports a lot is the NBA because the NBA is very personality driven, and it's like a fun—it's the most fun league easily. But they do pretty yeah. well. Like, like Joel Embiid yeah. is fantastic, and he's himself, but you know, he knows not to be stupid. So there's that. There's something yeah. that works, you know. <laughs> also, if you're a player and you say the N word in the NBA, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh but <my> yes. <laughs> Cool. So wait, I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes on it this week and moving forward. Agree. Up next, Eric Kane and Paul Tassi talk about the newly released Far Cry 5. But first, a quick break. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. 
And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. When you're wearing the right outfit, it feels good. Like hitting all green lights good. Finding an onion ring in your french fries good. Getting dressed can feel just like that when you have a trunk club stylist. Because not only do we send you lots of outfits and accessories, we also teach you how to style them. And since we're a Nordstrom company, you know you'll be well taken care of. Look and feel great every single day with Trunk Club. Meet your personal stylist at trunkclub.com. That's T-R-U-N-K-C-L-U-B.com. Hi, I'm Eric Kane. I'm Paul Tassie. We're going to talk about Far Cry 5. Again, we talked about this last week. Uh, when we had only just started playing. So last week we kind of had our first impressions, hadn't gotten very far in the game, the game wasn't out yet. Now it's out, uh, my review's up, Paul's written about this. Um, uh, what, what's your take after playing You know, a significant chunk of the game? Um, gameplay's pretty solid. It it doesn't feel as much of a clone as you know 3 and 4 and Primal were, so it does feel like kind of a step forward in those regards. Um, I'm, I'm maybe, I think like three quarters done. And like, now I'm kind of getting to that point where just the sheer size of this and like doing kind of the side missions and stuff is, is making me kind of exhausted. So <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to burn out a bit, but, uh, I have enjoyed what I've played so far. Gameplay is a lot of fun. Um, I have kind of issues with the story, but <laughs> we can, we can get into that later. Yeah. I think, um, in terms of gameplay changes, you know, nothing's really overt necessarily, but there's a lot of stuff going on that I really like. Uh, we talked a bit about the perk system last week, but uh, now that I've gotten more into it, I kind of love that it's just so uh, – just just everything you do can lead to, to gaining perks. And you can focus on getting more perks and leveling up, or you can just kind of ignore it and – and not worry about it because it doesn't matter that much. I mean, the different skills you get are, are useful, but they're not vital to the gameplay. But it's to, but this sort of uh, spills over into there's there's just not as much busy work. You don't you're not having to hunt. You're not having to craft. You you don't have to uh, pick flowers all the time. I mean, there's almost no flower picking, which is fantastic. It took me eight hours to even realize that there was like a <laughs> a second secondary menu wheel where you can have like. <laughs> Uh, potions and stuff that make you faster and stronger. Like I didn't even notice that. And that's what your picking stuff is for. But yeah. I think you don't notice as much because there's not like leaves littered all over the map like there right. normally are in these games, which I find nice because that was too kind of too busy. But then you almost never pick anything. Like you just kind of loot the materials you get from various places rather than like picking leaves and, and skinning things. But it, that stuff's still yeah. there. It's, it's optional. It just isn't as mandatory as it was before where you're like, okay, I need to more carry more than five arrows. So I need to keep skinning, you know, all these different animals. Um, yeah. I really love that about the game. I, I just feel like that, that some of the most tedious stuff in the previous few games was having to, well, for one thing you'd make, you pick, I think it was green leaves to make med kits or medicine or whatever. And you had to do that a lot because you'd run out of medicine quickly and, and you'd have to heal all the way up. You had to use those. But in this game, you can't craft med kits. They're only they only are able to be uh, found in the world or purchased, and your whole health bar replenishes. So 
instead of having to heal each little section, you can just wait around until you're until you're healthy and you use the med kits in battle when you when you really need them. Yeah, and I I like that system. I've never really been of of the camp that med kits like going back to kind of like old school med kits that you know for health that doesn't recharge is like a better option. Like I just find that tedious and like I don't really yeah. enjoy that and I don't enjoy crafting med kits every after you know every battle and I you can still die in this game if you overextend yourself and med kits are still useful in terms of like giving you kind of an instant full boost of health but this system overall feels better to me and I don't think anything was lost from the not doing the segmented kind of health bar anymore. No, I, I totally agree with that. And and I think that just the, the overall, I think one of the best things about the game is just how much less tedious it is. And I think that that other games really should look to what they're doing with this one. Like if there's a Horizon Zero Dawn 2, which I'm sure there will be, I really hope that they take into account how tedious all that plant picking and filling up the health pouch and all that is because that's that's one of the things that kind of really dragged that game down for me yeah i agree um one thing about the perk system that i've kind of noticed as i've gone on is it doesn't really feel that necessary like i I was writing my kind of 10 things you need to know post and i was like all right what are the like the essential perks and i was having some trouble kind of coming up with many because just so many of them don't really seem like they add all that much value. Like there's obvious stuff like health and carrying additional weapons and then like mechanical stuff. Like you need the ability to climb or summon more than one kind of helper. But I haven't crafted, I mean, I'm almost done with the game and I haven't crafted a single like increased ammo thing because I just, I never run out of ammo. Mm -hmm. Um, There's only a couple stealth upgrades and I find stealth play to be almost non-existent in this game now. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's pretty tricky. Because, like, yeah, silence weapons alert everyone. Like, your companions mm-hmm. alert everyone. It just it doesn't really seem oh, yeah, like there's the room for stealth anymore. So, Do you know what? I think yeah. there is room for stealth, but you're going to need to do it in co-op. Because I think the only way, other than just getting really, really good, to take, to take out an outpost without anyone seeing you and without any alarms going off is to coordinate with another person. And the, the NPC helpers are not good enough to coordinate with. My, my way of... of... Get, do, going with no alarms is just sprinting into a base, yeah. shooting the alarm boxes, and then killing everyone. It's like stealthy. Yeah, I made a video. <laughs> no reinforcements. I, I posted a video of when I took Joseph Seed's ranch, which I did really early on in the game, and I, I died a few times, um, but I, I just posted the last one where I succeeded because I thought it was pretty funny. I and I, I sneak in really carefully, and I get through, and I, I destroy the first two alarms. But then there's the third one, and it's pretty far away, and there's a lot of dudes there, and all I have is like a bow and a flamethrower. So I can't hit that from that distance. So I will go downstairs and I find a rocket launcher. And I was like, oh, well, like I got this far stealthy. So then I just go up and I blast it with the rocket launcher. Like, I don't know. Like I tried to get my sniper to shoot it, but that it doesn't work. So the NPC stuff, like the, the guns for hire is a bit clumsy unless you just let them kind of do their own thing. They're not very manageable in my experience. Yeah, I found I like the sniper the best because she's just kind of point and click, like assassinate individual people at once. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I I don't know I I don't have like every single person unlocked yet, but at least they're good at killing people. Mm-hmm. I'll say that, but they're they're very hard to kind of give very specific instructions to. It's just kind of like attack this thing or come back to me. That's that's kind yeah, of. It. I think <laughs> that each one has kind of something useful. Like Boomer is really useful for. Um... Marking all the enemies, the dog, that's mm-hmm. a pretty useful little skill. Sometimes I'll just have him with me until he does that, and then I'll bring somebody else in 
He'll send him yeah, <laughs> and he's fun to pet because he's super cute. Um, and then there's the plane, the Nick Rye, the plane, the plane guy. He's really useful during parts where they send planes after you and you're getting attacked in this town. Oh my god, don't get me started on the planes. Like <laughs> another thing about stealth is like, yeah, it's really hard to be stealthy when you activate enough, you know, drama in the neighborhood to. Yeah. <laughs> have a plane after you wherever you go essentially so you either need that dude helping you out or you need to carry like a guided mm-hmm. missile with you at all times <laughs> i don't know who came up with that mechanic but man that, that is, is annoying. annoying i agree it's it's almost just too much at, at times that's that's one complaint i would definitely have is there's been a couple times in the game i don't know you, you remember the um the mission where you get out of the bunker and it's all on fire and there's like cultists everywhere and you have to get to the helicopter that yeah. end part just drove me crazy because there were so many guys on every angle and there was fire everywhere you stepped. And I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I kept on dying there. It was, it was like all of a sudden the game was hard and it hadn't been that hard before. I think it was just the chaos. I don't know. I think you just had, for that part, I remember just sprinting out of the roof. Like once the helicopter yeah. got there, just jumped on a ladder and just stopped trying to fight people. I will say fire in this game is like insane. And no one, no one should ever use a flamethrower for any reason. <laughs> no, I killed myself a bunch of times. It, it's terrible. It's like the amount of time it takes to flamethrower somebody down, you could have easily just shot them twice and killed them already. And then the fire will inevitably spread to everything nearby. <laughs> and they'll ch- It will kill your companions. Like if you put yeah. someone on fire, they will literally run at you and knock you down and put you on fire. Which is funny. Yes. So yeah, don't use fire. But it is kind of funny. And like I appreciate the chaos that goes with using a flamethrower, but like – Tactically, it's the worst weapon you can use by several miles. I, I think so. Yeah, I think that overall, with this game, um, in terms of just gameplay, I really, in, I just have enjoyed it so much. Um, just driving around, there's always something going on. You know, there's great little side missions. Like, um, did you do the one where you have to help the guy build the teleporter? Yeah, I did. you get that crazy gun at the end of it. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the, essentially the gravity. What's well, a gravity gun? But if you do it up close, it like just, um, like f- turns them into blood. Like it just. How does it? Like if you get up close, it it just zaps them and they're just poof and they're gone, like a spray of blood. <laughs> it's it's and it's unlimited ammo, so it's something you can carry around to uh, just have fun with. Um, but that. Oh yeah, I used it over a couple times, and I just I was only like knocking people over, and they weren't dying, and I'm like, all right, screw this. This is I'm just why why am I not just shotgunning people at the same range? <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, shotguns. It's probably a, it was a neat little trick. <laughs> I bet can you use that on vehicles? I feel like that would be useful to like knock. I tried, around, and it just but... kind of nudges them. Unfortunately, yeah. that would be cool. Though. I get really I get really frustrated in this game trying to track convoys because oh, yeah. like they're always going around the map and then when you try and like teleport near them then they're like somewhere else completely yeah you really have to drive or fly <laughs> to find them yeah you just i i just started just going in an attack helicopter and just <laughs> killing them that way because that seemed to be the, the best option yeah, i ended up doing it with a plane um which oh, i hate i tricky. hate plane flying in this game i couldn't handle it so. i'm never good at plane flying in games this one's probably one of the easiest games i've had with a plane honestly like some of the dogfighting missions like have just been I had there was the one where you're you're dogfighting, you know, one of the bosses and you have your plane buddy who helps you and he kept crashing into me. <laughs> like he like the your helper guy would just slam into me and kill me instantly <laughs> really? and I'm like all right, not not useful, man. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. there's some moments of of unintentional hilarity like that for sure. 
Well, in terms of the story, what, uh, what's, your, what's your take there? <laughs> okay, so I, I I like the the kind of idea of the cult taking over the town. I like their vibe. I like their kind of like hipster lumberjack, <laughs> but also like Charles Manson, Jim Jones vibe. <laughs> and I think they're they're kind of well voiced and stuff. And I, the, the concept is is pretty neat in in a lot of ways, but. Like, part of this is a political issue. Part of this is just a story issue. Like, I don't need this game to, like, mirror all my progressive politics exactly. It's just that I think that the whole story would have been made more interesting if the cult was truly, like, about something. Or at mm-hmm. least a clear metaphor for something. Or, you know, anything in that range. Because, like, right now, every di- every line of dialogue any of the cult members says is just nonsense like it's vaguely kind of religious sounding and uses kind of somewhat christian words but like they're just they're not saying anything they're just repeating over and over like kind of nonsense phrases like follow the path they're like say yes or like repent and it's even if it wasn't about a specific real world issue i just wish the cult had kind of more clear kind of ideology and goals and like we we actually knew what they were doing like maybe that comes together at the very end and i kind of have a sense of where this is going with their whole doomsday prep thing but it it has bothered me so far that it's just so like nonsensical like it doesn't mean anything no i (laughs) so i mean i think the best parts are when there's some sort of personal story that one of them tells or you get some sort of there's one time in the church where John Seed is talking about uh, like how his, or maybe it wasn't in the church. I don't remember, but he's talking about kind of like how he was abused as a child. And that was pretty dark uh, and interesting. And, um, but yeah, a lot of the time there's not, they're not really, I don't know what they're, they they said that they say the end is coming and they talk about sin, but they don't really talk about like what their sort of overarching philosophy is. And that is, that is a little confusing or unsatisfying maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't know. I get that they're kind of just an amalgam of, like, all these different cult things, brainwashing and, and drugs, and then, like, actual fervent belief about seven deadly sins and all that. But it's just, it doesn't add up to a cohesive whole, which is why I think, ultimately, if they had if they had actual politics, if this is like, okay, this is a white supremacist cult that wants to punish all non-Christians or something, like, at least that... You know, some people may have been offended by that. I guess a white premises would have been offended, but like, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But it would have been kind of about something very clear instead of these just nebulous kind of overarching, like, ah, yes, you're a sinner and we're the righteous. And like, it, it's it's just nonsense. And it, it, it has bothered me for like, you know, 20 plus hours <laughs> of play because it never has gotten any better. And yeah, I, I agree with you. There are kind of brief moments where you kind of see through things and there's like, Oh, this is, could be an interesting character. Like faith C talks like very briefly about, you know, minor story spoilers, but like how she was just like a kid and, and um, Joseph like pried her with drugs and kind of turned her into this monster. And then you just, you kill her anyway, yeah. <laughs> like moment over. And they're, they're just not really, they you have glimpses at these kind of deeper moments, but it, from what I've seen, they just never really go anywhere. And you're just kind of content. Yeah. murdering everyone like you never you almost never save anyone from the cult it's just oh everyone's just brainwashed and brain dead and you just you kill everyone and it's it's kind of one-dimensional in that sense and in that sense it's very much in line with what we expect from video games you know uh you know they're, they're yeah. the the 
kill everyone is kind of the go-to and and i get it i mean it's it's fun to go out and shoot people that's why we play these games but no i agree it would be it would be interesting to have a little more more to it than that um you know, it's interesting. Even well, in we like, t- we've talked about this in other games too, where it's like you have something like Uncharted or Tomb Raider, where those games do have really good stories, but then because of the video gaminess of it, we're like, okay, Lara Croft's supposed to be this kind of like wide-eyed innocent who just crashes on a an island, and then two hours later she's killed like sixty-five people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just kind of it doesn't really add up. But that's kind of the nature of video games, so it, it's almost kind of you're stuck, and it's you know, what do you do? It is tricky. I mean, like in the new uh, Tomb Raider movie, she probably kills like maybe six or seven people. That's kind of a lot for a movie. But in a video game, like if you only killed six or seven people, that'd be really weird. You know, it's 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 and that's that kind of the whole that kind of underpins kind of the the uh, the dissonance that you feel playing a game like this, because it's like, you know, you play Far Cry three and you're on this island with pirates and stuff and you play Far Cry four and you're in like this fictional country with a whole army after you but you're in montana and it's like there are hundreds and hundreds of cultists all armed to the teeth and you kill them all you know it feels maybe just because it's closer to home or because we know that there would never be such a large group of cultists in the united states that heavily armed with planes and you know all the rest It, it definitely kind of you notice it more than you yeah. would in another yeah, game like, like Tomb Raider. I, also in terms of the story, one thing that continues to bother me in this game, in all games, but this game especially, is like, man, I am getting just exhausted from having a totally mute protagonist. Yeah. And in this case, pretty much totally faceless too, because it's all first person. And like you see yourself in the menus and when you die. And like I love how you can buy outfits for your character when literally <laughs> <laughs> the only time you see your outfits are when you're dead or when you're in the outfit menu. I know, that is pretty funny. <laughs> like pretty much. It's like, why? But I, I find the story a lot less effective when it, every character is just essentially speaking to the camera. And like I, I know that's supposed to be quote unquote you and like you're the main character. But I, I always find it troubling to try and get really engaged in a story when the protagonist simply kind of doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're just a pair of hands essentially. And like even, even past Far Cry games, I can't remember all of them, but at least I think in at least Far Cry three and primal, I don't really remember about four, Four. but you had a voice. Like maybe you weren't seen in cutscenes or anything, but you know, Jason Brody or whatever his name was, um, had a voice and was like an actual character in the story. Well, same with four. Four, you were going back to find out about your parents and stuff. I know you were. Car- did you have a voice yes. in that game? I can't remember. Oh, you did. I'm okay, so like this. Percent sure about that. And even in Primal, you had a voice. It was, um, you know, it was Elias uh, Tufexis from Deus Ex, and it seems weird to just suddenly like go to not having a voice. And this seems like a very odd game to suddenly insert a character creator into. <laughs> Um, I agree. I, that's never. I was a little been in the series. I was a little disappointed in that. Also, I didn't. I actually didn't mention that in my review because I kind of for, forgot to. Uh, but but yeah, you know, like silent protagonist, it works in a game like Dark Souls where you're not talking very much and you can kind of see your character and and kind of kind of create your character through the visual aspects of them. Um, I always kind of have my own like imaginary stuff going on with games like that. And, and since they're not talking, it doesn't matter anyways. But in a game like this where people talk to you and you just sit there, it, it's so weird. 
It's yeah, like, it's not as bad as I, I would say. It's not as bad as say Destiny Two, where no. you are seen in cutscenes and then you just stand there silently saying nothing as people just talk at you. That's even worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this this isn't great either. And I don't know the kind of the idea of making your own character in this game. Like it, this also feels like, to kind of go back to the political point. This seems like a game where it kind of should have been important whether you were a man or a woman or whether you were white or black. Like. Granted, this in the end, they don't really ever mention race or gender in any capacity, <laughs> yeah. which seems insane for its own reasons. But like, if there was ever a game to kind of have a solid protagonist with you know a specific set of characteristics and a specific kind of motivation, it seems like it would have been this one. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're kind of the most generic character that the series has had to date, and that seems like the this seems like the wrong story for that kind of character to operate in. Yeah, I mean, they could have still just had two, like a, a, f- a female and male voice actor, regardless of what customization you chose. I mean, that wouldn't have been so bad. I, I don't, I don't know. It, it does seem like a, yeah. a missed opportunity, especially because like everyone else in the game is voiced. I mean, just down to every NPC you meet, you know, has has a voice, and most of them have. Yeah, like how does like tally. rando? you know, clone stamped NPC, like have more lines in this game than yeah. I do. Yeah. It's very strange. It just, it's weird. And like, I've never understood dark souls in games like that, where it's not, you're, there's not like a main story campaign per mm-hmm. se. You know what I mean? Like in, in the same traditional sense. Um, and like there's, there's story components to it, but I'd say that's more focused on, on gameplay and stuff. Whereas this is, you're not like the dark lone wanderer. Like you're supposed to be like an actual, character in this and it i don't know it, it bothers me more in this game than i've seen in a while because not not all that many games do this at the you know at this point and right. i'm trying to imagine a game like assassin's creed where <laughs> like, you didn't have bayek speaking the whole game like that would have been terrible like, like that would have really just weird. the story wouldn't have even existed in that game yeah and i get that as first person but i i still think it was a mistake to kind of regress and not even give you a voice this time yeah i think the only first person shooters that should do that are like i don't know really low budget or something. I, I, I don't know. Like yeah, pretty much every first person shooter these days has a voiced, even like multiplayer games, like overwatch have voices for their characters, you know, it's just voice lines, but it's still a voice. Yeah. But it, ma- it makes you connect with the uh-huh. character. And I, I've never, I don't know. I, I never agree with this idea that like you're the main character as the player. And therefore all your thoughts and things you say are like the characters. It's, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And it's, you, you wouldn't watch back. a movie or TV show like that and have it be an effective story. Yeah. You're just, I mean, there maybe in VR someday, but <laughs> I just don't see it ever really working. You know, I mean, what, what is, I don't ever imagine myself responding to people when they talk. I'm like, I'm waiting for what the character is going to say. Like, I don't say it out loud to the screen, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, probably the most famous silent protagonist is Gordon Freeman, right? From Half-Life and Half-Life 2. And, and I yeah. guess that worked for me at the time. I didn't really mind. But, I mean... Well, I, he's also still a character. Like, he was right. still Gordon Freeman. He looks like this. Like, right. he does this. So he he was at least still a character in and of itself, where here you're, like, kind of generic. You're, you know, you're Rook. You're the rookie cop. Yeah. Or in Destiny, you're, like, the Guardian. And, like, it, when you combine those with no voice and no identity... It yeah. doesn't work. Whereas you have like Gordon Freeman or Link or, you know, people like that. It's not quite as as bad if, as long as you're still kind of an actual character. I still think it's probably better to voice your character than not. But I think it can still work, you know, if, if you're still a specific character. Yeah. Or even if there's – I mean if there was even just res- like responses you could pick or something, you know, like – 
choices you could make in the dialogue, even if they weren't voiced. Just anything to give you some sort of agency and sense of character. But yeah, there's really nothing yeah. there, and it does it does feel very disorienting. It doesn't really detract from the game. Again, like all the story stuff doesn't really retract from or detract from what I enjoy about the game, which is that it's this big fun sandbox, and it, it's a really uh, well well made one. I don't think it's the kind of game that you should play all at once, <laughs> which is why we burn out. Like on so games many like of these this. games we review, where it's like, is this game good, or did I just play sixty hours in three days? Right, <laughs> and it's like, wow, I just I don't like it anymore because I'm so sick of it. And you yeah. know, that's that's a problem that we have, though. That's not a problem that you know a regular gamer might have because you know they might play this game, you know, two hours. The, the first day they get it, and then an hour, three days later, and maybe you know, just a bit by bit by bit, depending on how old they are. I mean, I guess right. younger younger gamers probably have more time on their hands. But overall, um, I, I just think, yeah, we we kind of we burn ourselves out on games like this. Yeah, uh, and th- there is just so much to do. Yeah, like I get distracted. I, I it, it's hard for me to finish any of the main story stuff because I'm like, ooh, there's something over there to do, and now I'm going to go do this over here. Yeah, I have to do every prepper stash and side <laughs> quest. Like I can't not do them. But I'm like, I, I don't like. I don't even need anything to buy with skill points anymore, and I'm still like, ooh, more skill points. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're more obsessed than I am. I can yeah. pretty much ignore the the prepper stashes unless I really feel like getting a perk right then. And I think the prepper stashes are kind of the most fun thing in the game because I really like solving the puzzles. Those are some of them are pretty yeah. easy, but I think that's some of the most creative segments of the game, whereas everything else is is more or less like go into the space, kill these people. <laughs> yeah. Whereas prepper stashes is, is problem solving. But I don't know. I, I'll say it does detract for me at least a little bit because the story, because there is a, a good amount of story in this game. Mm-hmm. And so whenever it comes up, I'm like, oh, I wish this was better. <laughs> and I, I do agree that gameplay is good. It's just. I don't, this definitely is not like the transformative game that Origins was for Assassin's Creed. Sure. And, you know, they're not copying Far Cry 3 for the bazillionth time. But, I mean, at best, I feel like they're kind of combining Far Cry 3 and Ghost Recon Wildlands and then sprinkling like a couple new things on top of it. So it doesn't really feel like a, a fully new kind of transformative experience to me. So that's kind of my only critique of the gameplay. Yeah. Uh, per se. I would say that it's it's a step in the right direction in a lot of ways. There's just a lot of not having to climb towers is great. Um, the the wildland stuff with the map does I think improve the game overall. Um, but yes, it's not a trans it's not transformative. And I think I hope that in the next game they 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 do a better job with the story. They have a voiced uh, protagonist. Even if you get to choose between you know, male or female, I think that would be great. Kind of like uh, Mass Effect or something. I think they could take this. The series has the, a lot of the fundamentals right, and I think they could take it further. Um, I don't know if I would say make it a real serious game because I kind of think that it's it's great to have a a game with that kind of bizarre, ludicrous, bombastic stuff and kind of darker, like evil stuff, com- you know, coming together. I, I kind of like the juxtaposition of that, but I think that if that they could make it just overall they could just tighten up that story maybe give the player some choices about how to um handle different situations and 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 i think they could have a really great just a really great game on their hands i don't know yeah i mean i i personally wouldn't mind it being a little more self-serious it's weird like the most serious game in the series has been far cry primal (laughs) yeah where that really kind of took itself very seriously and had not that much wacky stuff in it and i don't know i i would agree if i 
thought the kind of wacky bombastic stuff works very well it just it doesn't really land that often for me so i find myself like okay well if this is kind of the joke aspect like what are we really losing by like cutting this bull testicle mission or something you know <laughs> like some of the, the wackier stuff and when like 90 percent of the rest of the game is pretty self-serious so yeah. i feel like they could if they could just maybe commit to that this seems like the game that it would have been it would have been interesting to try that mm-hmm. it, i think it suffered a little bit by not doing that but I don't know. I I just don't really like a sense of humor that much. So that might be just me. Well, I, w- I mean, there's probably a lot of things we could, you know, speculate on that could make for a better game. Um, I, I think they could definitely have less stuff to do and, and tighten up kind of the main missions and whatnot. And that might be great, but you know, I guess it's to each their own because some people love having a million things to do and it, it works for them because they buy one game and they play it for three months or four months and, they can right. they can spend all that time in it, and then you know, I I would play Far Cry that was a serious you know a serious game with without all the silly humor and everything. I think it would probably be great. Um, but you know, I I mean, I guess there are so many serious games out there already. I'm not too worried. You know, it's uh, Call of Duty is usually pretty serious. Um, I'm still kind of dreading The Last of Us 2 because it looks so, so serious. Yeah, that might be going a bit too far in the other direction, but... <laughs> and I kind of, I think Uncharted strikes a pretty good balance between kind of serious themes and and kind of wackier stuff. It's, it's never yeah, quite Yeah, because I think Uncharted silly. is like genuinely funny in its writing, whereas mm. I'm less convinced of that for <laughs> yeah. Far Cry or, or games like Grand Theft Auto, where I also, I also really don't like kind of grand theft auto sense of humor either i i I will say i really thought trevor was hilarious in grand theft auto 5 yes yes he was i will funny agree with you there and i credit steven og for that right and and some some interesting writing choices just he just had a great character all 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 told uh but yeah gta yeah i know i think humor in games is pretty tough i think because you know in a movie you can you can set it up with the timing, with with live action, you know, actors, it's it's a little easier to do comedy when you can, when you have a not an animated face, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you, I don't know what's a, what's a really funny game. Portal. It's always <laughs> one I go to. Right. Portal's hilarious. Um, I don't know Monkey Island. I don't know. There's a few, but there's a few. Yeah, it is hard to do comedy well in games. I'll say that. Yeah, maybe that's why I, I like. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why I get a kick out of this. I think. I think for me, a lot of the comedy in Far Cry is less the writing and more this like the uh, emergent stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I finished off that ranch outpost by blasting a guy with my rocket launcher, and it hit him. It's the last enemy. I didn't even realize this, but it hit him, and it shot him about fifty feet into the air. And right then, the the, the victory screen starts, so it slow mo's everything. <laughs> so this guy's flying into the air in slow mo, and there's like the the. Uh, fireworks going off and he's just flying ragdoll style in the air. And to me, that's hilarious, you know? So that kind of stuff or just like running over people. Yeah. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I say cautionary thumbs up. If I had to pick one of the two. Yes. Wobbly <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I give it a thumbs up. I, I don't think, I think if you go in not expecting like any groundbreaking story or any sort of, deeper meaning and you just go and have fun in a sandbox, then definitely pick it up. Um, but yeah, I, I think if, yeah, if you're looking for something more, uh, you probably won't find it in, in Far Cry five. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you guys next week.
See ya. That's it for this episode of World. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Perez. And I'm Satchel Drakes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach us at overworld at podcast one. That's O-N-E dot com. And also you can reach us on Twitter. My handle is at Satchel Drakes. That's Satchel like a bag with an extra L. And mine is Matt Ryan Perez. Thanks for listening. Take care. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. Some people see money as a goal. Some see it as a pursuit. Others see it for the stuff it can buy. At Thrivent, we see it as a tool that can help you live a more fulfilling life. That's why we help millions of Christians be wise with money. With advice, insurance, banking, investments, and generosity. If you'd like to join us, visit Thrivent.com. Thrivent. Be wise with money. At the Border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.